Welcome to the Civil War Regiments podcast, here to provide you with the reading of accounts of the common soldiers of the American Civil War, the eyewitnesses who lived, fought, suffered, and died through five years of brutal conflict. It is my hope that the reading of these accounts will make history come alive for you and offer a better understanding of daily life during the American Civil War. Today's account is from Voices of the Civil War, Fredericksburg, by the editors of Time Life Books, an entry by Corporal Dayton Flint of the 15th New Jersey Infantry. Born in New Hampshire and plying the tinsmith's trade in Michigan, Flint chose a New Jersey regiment when he enlisted in August 1862. After the slaughter and defeat of the Battle of Fredericksburg in December 1862, Flint took part in the infamous Burnside's Mud March, the retreat away from the battlefield of Fredericksburg. He found the hellish march through mud too much to endure, and in this January 27th letter to his father, Flint bitterly described the ordeal. Later cited for bravery at the Battle of Petersburg, Flint ended the war as a captain. Here follows his account. You have probably heard by this time of this last strategic movement. We returned yesterday to our encampment, where we have been laying ever since the brush at Fredericksburg. Such roads and marching no one has ever seen who has not followed an army in Virginia. The day we started, the weather was cold, the ground frozen hard, and the road smooth. We moved at noon and marched near to the intended crossing place, about seven miles, and encamped waiting for the pontoon and supply train to come up, which were behind. About dark it commenced raining, and rained steady all night. As if by magic, there was a sudden transformation in the surface of Virginia. The mud was knee-deep. The wagons were up to their bodies in it, and were as immovable as if they were frozen fast. Then came a destruction of horse flesh. Thousands of horses and mules dropped down dead in their harness. To give you an idea of it, within a distance of one mile from the river on one road alone, there were 52 dead horses and mules. Our way back to camp was plainly marked by their bodies. In one place, I counted 10 horses but 20 yards apart. I think it was the hardest march we have had. We started about half past one and got in camp before dark. I believe that on that day, two-thirds of the prominent officers were drunk. The day before, they kept us on the move all day, within a circle of a mile, mud over our boot tops, for the purpose of helping the trains out. Horses were of no use. Seventy-five or one hundred men had hold of each pontoon wagon to get them out of the worst places. I have said that I would not ride home if the true state of affairs in the army should they prove to be different from what I imagined them before coming. But this last hair has broken the camel's back, and I must give vent to my thoughts, or rather, those of a majority of the army, officers included. The army of the Potomac is no more an army. Its patriotism has oozed out through the pores open by the imbecility of its leaders, and the fatigues and disappointments of a fruitless winter campaign. Its faith in the ability of the command is gone, and the confidence in the government 
is even being weakened. They believe that this question will never be settled by fighting, that every life lost either in battle or by disease is only an additional and useless sacrifice to the shrine of the disappointed ambition and avarice of a few politicians. In a word, the army of the Potomac is demoralized. They will never do the fighting they have done. It is only a sense of honor and self-respect and an adherence to their oath to support and obey those over them that keep them from deserting en masse. If our armies are in the same condition as this, there is no hope of a successful prosecution of the war. Corporal Dayton Flint, 15th New Jersey Infantry.